Welcome to the Lemper Report on LinkedIn Live. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the best frozen entrees that I've ever taste tested. We're also going to be talking about the plight of the hot dog, why a second round of e-commerce growth is right around the corner, and another food dreamer interview, and lots, lots more. Each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we bring you on our unique insights on grocery, retail, sustainability, e-commerce, new product reviews, and consumer trends. We also want to know what's on your mind, so please add your comments right in the chat box, and we're going to share your comments during the program itself. Sally, what's on our radar today? Well, Phil, I think we need to talk about hot dogs first today. Okay. The University of Michigan School of Public Health created this index to rank foods based on um, their how healthy they are for your body and also for the environment. Sounds and good. what sounds yes, good. yes, sounds good. But what they found out was that the hot dog on a bun can take off 36 minutes of your life. They also found that one chicken wing can take off 3.3 minutes, but oh. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich, will you can gain 33 minutes of your life. And other foods that are good for uh, for gaining time on your life are peanuts, baked salmon, rice, and beans. So um, I guess we can now call this the longevity diet. But when, <laughs> when I think about Joey Chestnut, um, mm-hmm. who from Nathan's, you know, the winner, he's won uh, 13 times out of 14 years. Um, basically, I calculated this that uh, he, he is losing by, by just his consumption during the Nathans. I don't know how many hot dogs he eats outside <laughs> that 4th of July day. He is losing 31,824 minutes of his life, which is 533.4 hours or 22.1 day. Uh, so that's how he's shortening his life. But but talking about hot dogs, um, I grew up in uh, New Jersey and um, actually used to go to a hot dog place that you've probably never heard of called Rutt's Hut. <laughs> now, what's interesting about Rutt's Hut is um, they actually, uh, instead of boiling their hot dogs in either water or on a roller grill or on a grill, they actually deep fry them. <laughs> And, and they're not deep fried with like breading on them. They just throw them in the deep fryer and they burst as a result of that. Um, and um, really disgusting. So <laughs> you, you, you can take a look at what they look like. Uh, they tasted good when I was a kid, but I would imagine that it would even shorten your life more. Yes, I can't Im- imagine how many minutes that would add up to for each yeah. one of those. <laughs> yeah. So what do we have next? Next up, I wanted to talk about the Anderson School District in South Carolina, which is warning parents about food supply issues and some unpredictable menu changes. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, the federal government right now is paying for all kids in public school across the nation to eat for free, which is really important because a lot of these families rely on their kids to get fed a healthy meal at school every day. The problem is, is that um, the School Nutrition Association is finding out that they have got serious supply concerns for two thirds of the districts in the country. And that's a lot of schools. And they're saying that it's 
mostly items like poultry, canned vegetables, and paper products that they are finding very difficult to stock. And, and they're finding it difficult because of the shortages of the product or, or the trucks to get them to the school or all the above? All of the above. All of these things that we've been seeing going on, you know, at our supermarkets since the pandemic yep. started. Wow. And, you know, to, to your point, um, for a lot of kids, you know, um, in, certainly in food desert areas, and mm-hmm. that's the one meal a day that they get. Um, they, they're not having breakfast, they're not having dinner, so they really have to rely on that school lunch program. Um, and as you know, we worked very closely with Michelle Obama um, on, on you know, the, the school lunch program and improving it. And then Sonny Perdue, when he was secretary of ag, you know, he changed the regulations away from, you know, whole grains and went back to adding, you know, sugar uh, to products mm-hmm. and back uh, sodium levels and stuff like that. Then it was reversed now during the, the Biden administration with Tom Vilsack. And now that we can't supply the foods. So, yes. And they're saying that they're, they're going to be able to feed the kids. It's just that we don't know what they're going to be able to feed them. Yeah. And it's probably not along those healthy Mm -hmm. guidelines. Okay. What's up next? Okay, Phil, imagine having a device that you can take to the supermarket and it can mimic your nose and actually sniff for freshness in foods. So this could be helpful with items like avocados that are kind of difficult to tell if they're ripe or not. You could use this little device that this French company has developed. It's called the Neos Advance, and it is the size of two smartphones stacked together. And it's it's really a great tool for um, checking for spoiled foods. And also supermarkets are going to be able to use this, hopefully, um, to reduce food waste. Yeah, I, I think that there's two sides of it, as you point out. One is the consumer side, uh, which is great. Um, you know, about 30, 31.9% of all food that's wasted is wasted in our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we have a device like that, uh, that we can buy properly and also check, you know, at home to, to see when something's going to go bad, I think that's good. Um, but You know, Charles Spence, who we've interviewed before uh, from the UK, um, you know, has done a lot of work on olfactory senses. And in fact, Mm -hmm. the last project that he was working on that we talked about was for a major soda company here in the US. And what he was working on was when you opened up uh, a can of soda, um, the sound that that would make and make you think that it's healthier because of the sound. (laughs) <laughs> so I think we're going to see a lot of innovation as it relates to this. But I love this product, both in supermarkets and in homes and in food factories as well. I mean, there's a lot of uses for this. Uh, I don't know if it could ever emulate my nose, but, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully it doesn't look like my nose. So. <laughs> well, and maybe it'll help out all of these people that have actually been losing their sense of smell from COVID. We've learned that Excellent that point. is one of the side effects, side effects. Of, yeah. and that it, it lasts for a while. So yeah. we'll see. Great, great point. Um, anything new, exciting going on with food trucks these days? We haven't talked yes. about that in a while. Yeah. 
There's a great company out in California, in Los Angeles, that has, um, they're very small, but and they're, they're kind of just getting started. It's called On The Go LA. And what's great about this company is that they are helping uh, entrepreneurs, uh, new food businesses get out there without the cost, the high cost of buying a food truck. They're renting food trucks to chefs and food startups at day rates. So you don't even have to commit to a, you know, a a year's lease on something. And this is just this is just a great time for this right now, too, because people are still not wanting to dine out as much because they're afraid of getting COVID. So a food, going to a food truck is really a much better option. And these people that you know have struggled during the pandemic to get their businesses going can can use a company like this to help them get their products out. What is it approximately what does it cost for a day to rent a food truck? Well, we we don't know. It, I, I didn't see that in what I read, but that is an excellent question. And um, I will find out. <laughs> and, and in fact, you know, the average food truck today costs new, if you buy one new, about $170,000. Wow. So, so this sounds like, you know, a terrific idea. It really is. And, you know, there are a lot of companies right now that are helping new food business owners that are are making this bold pivot into new territory. They're coming from totally different careers. And we've been talking to a lot of people in our series um, on supermarketguru.com that is featuring people who have pivoted into the food business for the very first time. Uh, One of those that we featured was a company called Edna Jane's Barbecue, which is started by a young recording engineer and studio owner in Los Angeles. His name is Clay Blair. He is the owner of Boulevard Recording Studios, and he had all this great momentum going. Um, He was recording The War on Drugs, Dawes, Mandy Moore, some really well-known bands were coming into his studio. But then when the pandemic hit, that all stopped and no one was booking the studio because they couldn't be in close contact like that. So he started making barbecue and he he started making it uh, at his apartment and then he got kind of in trouble because he couldn't be selling barbecue out of his apartment. So he found this company called Crafted Kitchen. And what they are is they're a, they're a community kitchen. So you can come and use their space. They help with marketing plans. They offer business guidance. They help you get over the hurdles of the high cost of permits required to open a food business. So Clay was able to go into Crafted Kitchen and find a space to cook his barbecue. And now he goes out and he has um, subscriptions, he does delivery, and he has these great pop-ups all over town. And it's it's going great. And who knows, maybe he's going to rent a food truck as well. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> So it's time for the Lemper Report. Expect another surge in U.S. grocery e-commerce as in-store shortages accelerate. For the first time in their lifetimes, U.S. shoppers were faced with empty supermarket shelves and the early months of the pandemic created a disruptive supply chain. 
factory and farm workers became ill and they had to quarantine. Some even left their low paying jobs to avoid the risk of contamination. Food plants had to reimagine their production as social distancing mandates were put in place. Shipping containers around the world, some still full of foodstuffs, were locked down as ports closed and disrupted both import and export transportation. Our farmers and our ranchers couldn't hire trucks to bring their goods to market. And now when most shelves are nearly back to normal, we're about to witness another round of shortages that grocery executives are grappling to avoid. It's scaring them. Donnie Rouse, the CEO of Rouse's Markets in Louisiana, told the Wall Street Journal that the chain of 60 supermarkets that he runs and owns is receiving as little as 40 percent of what they order. Pre-pandemic, he said, they received well over 90 percent of what they ordered. Costco has again implemented one package per person limits on the sale of toilet paper, paper towels and other products. Food service giant Cisco has called their restaurant customers in various locations throughout the nation to tell them they have to delay or pause service or cancel orders due to labor shortages. And without food, no surprise, these restaurants are once again having to close their doors. Now, this time around, we can expect a more rational shopper that won't be panicky and will be head right to their mobile or desktop devices and order online to avoid the in-store mania that we all witnessed last time around. Yes, there will be shortages of some products as CPG companies struggle and reduce their SKU offerings. And yes, transportation issues will continue as trucking companies and retailers attempt to recruit and train new drivers. You've probably heard the radio ads. But over the past 17 or so months, many people have become more adept and open to ordering their groceries online for either delivery or pickup. And grocers continue to work to enhance the online shopping experience with easier to use tools and move away from third parties to control the user experience. Grocery shopping online will certainly reduce the anxiety of us walking into stores and seeing empty shelves, and shoppers will only see the products that are available. What shoppers will demand, however, alongside a better user experience, is more accurate information. Many retailers, especially those who employ dietitians to help their customers shop for healthier foods that are more personalized for their diets, that are better for them, that are healthier, are finding that their ingredient or nutritional information is missing or inaccurate on the CPG brands that they carry, as well as their own private brands. Now, the future is bright for grocery e-commerce, no question about it, but the shopper will be much more demanding this time around. On last week's RDBA webinar that was sponsored by canbeans.org, Crystal Register, Director of Health and Wellness at FMI, gave us an update on family meal strategies and the highlights of the just-released Power of Health and Well-Being in the Food Industry Report. For more information, go to retaildietitians.com, and here's a highlight of what she had to say. When we started planning for our very first National Family Meals Month back in 2014, we did a lot of research and found tons on all the benefits of family meals. 
Here's a quick look back at our very first infographics. And when we were creating these, it was a challenge to select the information to highlight because we just found so many compelling studies on so many advantages that you all know about. People who eat more family meals together have better nutrition, more emotional balance. Kids who eat more meals with their families do better in school. And kids who eat more meals around the table with their families are less likely to engage in risky behavior like drinking alcohol, smoking, or using marijuana. And we thought if everyone only knew these facts, who wouldn't wanna have more family meals, right? So this study very clearly builds on previous research that provides definitive proof of the value of family meals. The big headline is this. This study proves that more frequent family meals are associated with better dietary outcomes and family functioning outcomes. This is the finding that every dietitian participating in this webinar can really cheer about. Family meals increased fruit and vegetable consumption. Overwhelmingly, studies evaluated by the researchers showed a positive relationship between family meal frequency and fruit and vegetable intake. By the way, it's no coincidence that National Family Meals Month takes place at the same time as National Fruits, Fruits and Veggies Month. So the definitive outcome was this, more family meals equals more fruit and vegetable consumption. One regular subtext was that the dinner meal consistently showed a positive relationship with increased fruit and vegetable intake, actually more than breakfast or lunch. So the second major and extremely significant outcome of the study, family meals improve family functioning. Nearly all the studies included in the systematic review and meta-analysis demonstrated a positive relationship between family meal frequency and measures of family functioning. Phil, I wanted to tell you about a very interesting woman in the Hudson Valley who is coaching parents to stop with perfectionism around eating habits. I think this is going to be kind of controversial, and I think some people are going to be really excited to hear about her. Her name is Virginia Soulsmith, and she wrote a book in 2018 called The Eating Instinct, Food, Culture, Body Image, and Guilt in America. And she's got a new book coming out called Fat Kit Phobia. But what she is talking about here is that particularly during this, this time that we've been dealing with the pandemic and schedules are hard, parents are, you know, have been at home with their kids. And it's been a real struggle to, I know from my own experience at my house, to, to make mealtimes work exactly the way you want them. And so she's saying, that we need to relax and have less structure, that we need to focus more on connection rather than nutrition. And she's also exploring the idea that the war on childhood obesity is actually damaging to kids and parents. So this is a very interesting concept. She also says that she eats ice cream at her house every day. <laughs> well, ice cream is good. Ice yes. cream is a food. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I have mixed reaction mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm hearing you talk about this, because, um, yes, there's no question that fat shaming is bad. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's no question that the obesity rates of kids have gone up dramatically. In fact, um, on the Lemper Report, uh, I don't want to say about two months ago, we did a report that now 
that kids are going back to their pediatricians. Uh, the doctors are reporting weight gains of kids that are already obese between 10 and 29 pounds. Um, so we know we have a problem. Um, but you know, I, I don't want us to forget about good health and good nutrition. And, you know, what we heard uh, from some some retail dietitians is that now uh, what's happening with their online reports on their phones and, and the the recipes that they're giving, the entire family is watching and paying attention. And the hope is as we've talked about before, the hope is that after the pandemic, the entire family goes back into the store and shopping. So I think we need the right balance. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, um, I think you're right. I think it's really controversial and we're gonna have people on both sides. I remember um, on Supermarket Guru, you'll remember this, Sally, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years ago, we had a feature called Phil's Fat Diaries and yes. somebody could you know, write in, um, or type in, you know, what uh, what exercise they did, uh, what foods they ate, and they could either be private or public. Um, and I think we got up to about 20,000 people. Uh, most of them were private on it. But I got a lot of hate mail uh, by by calling it Phil's Fat Diaries <laughs> from people. Um, and maybe maybe times have changed. I don't know. Uh, what 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 do our listeners, our viewers, have to say? Well, we've got quite a few comments today, and so thank you everybody for being here and commenting. I'm pulling up my chat right now. Thank you, Amy Levy, saying it's so great, and there's no free lunch shaming anymore. She's talking about the 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 fact that we're talking about how the how kids are eating for free in all public school districts across the country, and that is wonderful. Amy Levy also says that she needs a commercial short term daily rental for a client with an emerging ice cream brand. Um, message me, Amy, because I have been reading about a bunch of, of these in, around the country and let me know where you are. Maybe I can, I can suggest one. Um, here's Amy again. She would like to use this um, olfactory device to check on her wines and see if they're spoiling or how old they are, you know, how expensive they are. <laughs> that's, that's a very clever idea, yes. Amy. Very clever. <laughs> Um, yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jeffrey Landsman is, um, was very inspired by the hot dog report, and so he's eating a brat for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not deep fried, Jeffrey. Don't yes. deep fry. No, 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 too many minutes off of your life. Yeah. And then John Pandall has, is saying that the Little Kids lim Lemonade Stand is the original pop-up and is the business model for the food business. You're right. That mm -hmm. is the original pop. It is. <laughs> I, I remember. Um, so thanks for, for those comments. Keep them coming. And um, here's a new product that you're going to love. I've long been a fan of Rayo's on 114th Street in Manhattan. It's always been tough to get a reservation there. There are only 10 tables. So it's who you know. But a few years ago, they started selling their pasta sauces in supermarkets. My favorite is the Arabia sauce and then pasta. Now they've moved to the frozen food case with an assortment of entrees. I tried the Rayo's chicken Parmesan and to be honest, it's delightful and delicious. One of our top new product ratings at 92 points. I microwaved it according to the directions and it cooked perfectly. Just the right combination of crispy breaded chicken 
breast with spaghetti. It wasn't loaded with spaghetti. There was more chicken breast than spaghetti, which is highly unusual for a frozen food. Nothing artificial here. 350 calories for the entire serving, 15 grams of fat and 670 milligrams of sodium, both of which, frankly, I wish was a bit lower. Has no added sugars, just five naturally occurring grams of sugars from the mozzarella, Parmesan and Romano cheese and 20 grams of protein. Retails for $5.99 for an eight and a half ounce portion, but on sale this week at Kroger for a buck off, $4.99. So Sally, have you tried these yet? I haven't, but I have a Kroger a half a mile down the street from me. So now I'm inspired to go and get this product. Sounds yes, great. And, and it comes in two sizes, the eight and a half size and a bigger package for the whole family size. Um, so, so I don't have to cook tonight. <laughs> you don't have to cook tonight. You just have to head over to Kroger. So with that, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Be sure to visit us on supermarketguru.com and be back here next Thursday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern for more of the Lemper Report Live. 